This is Of Ink and Insight, and I'm Sin, an intuitive creator, mindfulness seeker, and expressive arts coach coming to you from The Snug, my tiny studio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Whether you think of yourself as creative or not, my aim is to clear the way for deep self-inquiry, to help quiet the critical voice and offer you the freedom to grow into an intuitive creative practice that truly nourishes you. I won't tell you all the right ways to write or make your art, but you can always count on me to provide plenty of prompts for experimentation, discovery, and sharing. My own messy writing, contemplative photography, and artwork is proof that courage, freedom, and beauty can be found in the smallest, most ordinary moments. Are you ready for more creative freedom? Then let's begin. Hi there, welcome back to the Of Ink and Insight podcast. I'm Sin, and today I want to talk about being stuck. Now, I'm probably going to talk about being stuck in creative work, like having writer's block or feeling stuck when painting. But I'm also going to suggest that you listen for how these situations are all analogous to feeling stuck with just about anything in life, like a job or a relationship or a health condition. So even if you're not a writer or an artist, the problem is universal, and so are the solutions. So about a month ago, I was reading a post on Substack from the publication and podcast Emerging Form with Christine Ashwanden and Rosemary Watola Traumer. The post was a preview to an incredible interview with science journalist and author Florence Williams, and I'll link to this in the show notes. But there at the bottom of the post were a couple of questions for readers, and one of them was this. Let's say there are three kinds of stuck. What are they? Give them names. Well, I really like this question, and I took it as a personal challenge. Most of the time, I think of being stuck as the enemy, and this question invited me to kind of befriend the enemy in a way, to lean in and take a closer look, notice and name the truth of what it means to be stuck. The first kind of stuck I thought of was something I call emptiness. To be really honest with you, this is the kind of stuckness I experience the most, and I think it comes from being understimulated and alone a lot. It happens when I'm writing, my hand will just stop moving, and there are no more words, no more stories, just stillness, silence. I feel like I've run out of mental ink, completely empty. And the more I search, the emptier I tend to feel. I often wonder if it's possible to run out of stories to tell. I wonder if it's possible to run out of thoughts altogether. 
So I sit very still, maybe I close my eyes, and I try to find the place where thoughts cease to exist. Be entirely without thought. It doesn't work, does it? No, the brain, it's always constantly moving, even if we command it to be still. It also has no shame. When I want to be paying attention to something important, it wonders what I'm having for dinner tonight. So rather than running out of things to write about, I think emptiness is more about a hidden desire for space, a desire to get off the hamster wheel of thought for just a little while. It's sometimes my cue to get a change of scenery, to balance sedentary energy often associated with the act of writing with something more stimulating. I get up, I stretch, go for a walk, clean the kitchen, take a shower, maybe even go meet a friend for coffee. Or I try to tell the story with a different means, like with photographs, painting, telling it out loud. Oh, yes, give the brain an audience, and it quickly has plenty to say, doesn't it? I think another kind of stuckness is rumination, or what I call circling the drain. I believe rumination is my handy alternative to doing the challenging part of creative work, which is putting my heart and best effort forward when there's a really good chance of making a big mess or missing the mark. In my painting practice, this looks like me organizing my oil pastels according to the color wheel instead of actually painting. It's creating another spreadsheet to keep track of my ideas. It's scrolling, scrolling, scrolling on Instagram looking for inspiration. It's painting the same thing I painted last week because I'm afraid to try something new. I've learned that innovation is the best feeling there is, but it's really intimidating. And it's a little scary because, at least for me, it always seems to require some vulnerability on my part. To share a story that triggers a little shame, to risk making artwork I don't particularly like, to express something full of unpleasant feelings. And I can tell when I'm getting close to an edge, when my body starts to get involved. I might feel as though I could start crying at any moment. I tremble or become unsteady or I drop things. My breathing gets really tight. The sensations in my body feel so icky. So instead of feeling those icky feelings, I convince myself to stay safely above the drain where I know what to expect. I do the same old things. I keep myself spinning with busy work, making plans, preparing, wrangling all my ducks into a row. Sometimes in my writing practice, I will spend two pages writing about what I'm eating what the weather is doing, how I'm behind on household chores, you know, really fascinating stuff, right? But if I want to get off that carousel, I have to be willing to expose myself just a little. 
I have to stop and turn towards something deeper. Back to the Emerging Form podcast, guest Florence Williams tells about this advice she got from her grad school teacher, William Kittredge. He said, write what makes your palms sweat. And this is the leap we sometimes need to make to get from the safety of the mundane to art that is emotionally authentic. So I keep this little list of phrases in the back pages of my notebook to help remind me how to get there. Phrases that are like, let's start here, or a list in no particular order, or what I'm really saying is, oh, here's a good one, what I don't want to write about today, or I forgot to tell you, or here's the thing. It just helps me turn the corner or focus my lens. In my art practice, if I just go fill up my water bucket, sometimes that's enough to move past my safety zone and start exploring the unknown potential of making art. You'll also hear me murmuring my favorite mantra, what if, what if I tried this? What if I tried that? What if? Let me tell you, doing creative work isn't exactly therapy, but it sure feels healing to do it, and it might be cheaper. There's a whole lot to discover about yourself if you can stop circling the drain and be open to what you might uncover. Okay, the third kind of stuck I can tell you about is something I call hiding out. Oh my gosh, here's that vulnerability thing again. It can be so hard to show up in the world as our truest selves without the masks and the roles that we wear most of the time. There have been times in my life where I hardly could recognize myself in the mirror because I almost never felt like I could be myself. It's exhausting to think you have to uphold an image or a perception of yourself that isn't congruent with being an imperfect and beautiful human being who isn't always happy, isn't always well-dressed, or saying the right things at the right times. And there's nowhere more perfect for hiding out than Instagram. Oh, this app. I love it, and I hate it all at once. Now, this is a place where you can carefully curate yourself and your art, so no one ever has to know that you don't have everything figured out. No one has to know you create some shitty art sometimes or spill the paint water or get frustrated enough to tear a painting into a hundred pieces. No one has to know about your ADHD, your anxiety, your eating disorder. In fact, you can create a whole persona on Instagram and hardly ever post a picture of your actual face. So this is just one way we creative people can hide out and disguise it as full disclosure. But here's the thing. Unless we're brave enough to be truly seen and heard, we can't exactly be truly understood. We run the risk of developing a sense of being even more isolated and lost than we actually are. 
and will start to feel that ache at some point. In insight writing workshops, part of the magic occurs when each writer in the group will read what they've written. And I will say this is one of the aspects of these writing workshops that keeps some people from ever attending one. They find the thought of reading their writing out loud to be really just too challenging. But we try hard to create a safe space for sharing and agree to some boundaries. Like your writing doesn't need an introduction or a disclaimer or an apology. We believe it's perfect and beautiful exactly the way it comes out onto the page. Now, we don't write about each other, especially if you attend with your best friend, your partner, or your mother. What's shared in insight writing stays in insight writing. We'll offer grateful, quiet applause when you're finished reading, but we do skip the commentary and criticism. We just let your writing speak for itself, and then we move on to the next reading. And you know, you're permitted to not share your writing for any reason. When you hear the voices of other writers, your heart becomes filled with this universal me-too-ness and deep connection. It's just nothing more loving than holding space for another person while they bear a small piece of their soul. The most incredible thing about sharing yourself in this way is that it gives permission to other people to share themselves with you. We've all experienced this in relationships. It's all a lot of small talk until one person has the courage to share some tiny truth of themselves. And when they do, everyone around them relaxes a little bit, relieved to know that they're safe to share their own small truth. And pretty soon you're having this amazing, supportive, bonded experience together. Until we're willing to open the kimono just a little bit, we're captive to the facade. We are stuck in a world where we cannot be ourselves. And almost nothing we can create will be allowed to reflect our real inner world. But believe me, this takes practice. It takes a lot of small attempts before we can start becoming less stuck in our hiding out habits. And so insight writing workshops are not really about becoming better writers. They are simply a safe, inviting, and intimate opportunity to practice openness. This is what I love about facilitating these workshops. I see people arrive looking a little scared, very cautious, and then I see them leave looking and feeling absolutely liberated. It's so great that holding space and Sharing our words can do that. The next online workshop is coming up on March 19th, and I hope you'll join us. You can find the details and link to register in the show notes. And oh, I should say that if you become a paid subscriber on Substack, you can come to any Insight Writing Workshop for free. It's just one of the many benefits to becoming a paid subscriber. Now, before I wrap up this episode, I want to tell you about two more examples of being stuck that coincidentally popped up during February. I've been following Susanna Conway since, oh, I I want to say around 2008. 
I've taken many of her courses that are centered around journaling and photography. And like me, she started a Substack publication last year, and I've really been enjoying her posts there. And in one of them called Thoughts from This Morning, we get to see a great messy list articulating that mental journey from stuck to unstuck. Number one, you've got nothing to write about. And number 17, there's so much to write about. Now, I won't read it here because I haven't asked her permission to do so, but you're going to want to find out what numbers 2 through 16 are. It's a wonderful, witty, and very true peek inside her head. The second example is from another Substack post by poet Maggie Smith called Pep Talk. A subscriber sent Maggie this question, when you feel stuck in your writing or creativity, what does your pep talk sound like? Maggie goes on to write about how to believe in the value of what you're doing, to remember that editors and reviewers are only human beings, and that you are not your work. It's another great read for you to discover. I guess the bottom line is that fear and all its sneaky, shape-shifting forms is really behind the experience of being stuck. Fear paralyzes us, makes us slaves to sameness and the status quo. Get rid of fear, and you might find that being stuck is really just a bad habit. And breaking it might be as simple as moving. Move your body, move your pen on the paper, move your perspective... It is very hard to be moving and stuck at the same time. I love how writer Natalie Goldberg said, if you keep your hand moving, something will come out. Okay, everyone, consider this episode your pep talk for the next time you feel stuck. Put a little bookmark on it. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Find show notes, additional resources, and a discussion thread for this episode at Of Ink and Insight on Substack. While all the content you find there is self-funded and freely available, you can help support me in this podcast by subscribing at the level that feels right for you. Just one more thing. I want to hear from you. What questions can I answer? What creative challenges can I help you overcome? Is there a guest you'd like me to meet and interview? Get in touch by finding of Ink and Insight on Substack or emailing me at sin at ofinkandinsight.com. I look forward to connecting.